Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Science and Belief in Society podcast, the podcast for the International Research Network for the Study of Science and Belief in Society. In this podcast series, we're going to explore the relationships between science, belief, religion, spirituality and non-religion, historically and today. We'll be talking with scholars from around the world, from across the humanities and the social sciences about their research on science and belief. Today, we're talking with Professor Fern Elsden Baker, Project Director of the International Research Network. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. James Riley, and I have research interests in science communication and science and society, and I'm joined by Dr. Will Mason Wilkes and Dr. Rachel Shilito. How are you doing, folks? Hi, James. Uh, I'm very well. Nice to be here. So, and uh, yeah, hello, everybody else. Uh, hello to the listeners. Uh, as James said, I'm Dr. Will Mason Wilkes. I'm also a research fellow at the University of Birmingham on the Science and Religion Exploring the Spectrum of Global Perspectives project. And I've got an interest in popular media and culture, and I seem to have spent quite a lot of my research career today watching Brian Cox on TV. Oh, famed physicist, documentary maker, and science communicator, Brian Cox. Wonderful. And how are you doing, Rachel? Well, I'm, I'm jealous. I feel like I've made a mistake, but uh, yeah, I, I perhaps should have chosen my field a bit a bit better. I'd like to spend time watching Brian Cox as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm Rachel Shilato. I'm a research fellow um, uh, with James and, and Will at the University of Birmingham, also working on science and religion, exploring the spectrum and global perspectives. Um, and I'm a sociologist and uh, my interest and my research background has mainly been focused on childhood and education. Um, so religious and non-religious identity across the life course, um, particularly focusing on the, the formation of uh, children's beliefs and identities. Fantastic. Yeah, I think we've all got some research method envy from Will, who, I mean, I mean, I imagine it's not all the time good to just watch loads of TV documentaries, but I'm sure it's enjoyable, at least at the start. I, I mean, it, it could be worse, but you do watch the same sort of frames over and over again. Which is, you, know, you have to have a passion for it, I guess. Good. And um, today we are joined by Professor Fern Elston Baker. Um, hi, Fern, how are you doing? Hi, James. I'm good. Thank you. Good. And, and Fern, can you tell us a little bit about your, about your background? Well, I'm also having research method envy. Um, my career aspiration is to see if I can actually make a career out of watching sci-fi constantly. But apparently this hasn't worked out so far in my career. Uh, my background is actually in more in kind of science communication, communication of evolutionary science in particular. Um, so I studied um, the history and philosophy of evolutionary theory for my PhD and then um, after doing a couple of stints as a postdoc I um, was very fortunate to actually be given a role at the British Council um, so working for the British government to run the International Darwin Anniversary celebrations in 2009 which was the joint anniversary celebration so 150 years since the publication of Origin of Species and 200 years since Darwin's birth in 1809. So the, the top tip from Darwin there is if you're going to publish a seminal work, do it on the same uh, kind of anniversary of your own birthday so you can have joint massive celebrations globally. That's <laughs> that was um, a phenomenal experience. The Darwin Now project was a huge opportunity. Um, so I had the fortune to work on um, 
projects in a number of countries worldwide with a range of different partners across the world um, and it really changed the way I think about the way that we talk about science the way that we think about science and society and the way that we sort of include or don't include different groups in what we think of as science and it's really that experience that opportunity to see the world to meet different people working in many different countries and many different regions of the world that led me to the work that we do today that's that's great thing so can you can you tell us a little bit about the the work you're doing today so the work we're doing now is really the culmination of work that we've been undertaking since about 2014 but it builds on the work that i did at the british council it really sort of is looking at how different people in different societies around the world view science and in particular we focus on evolutionary science so we're interested in how religious spiritual non-religious groups around the world think about evolutionary science its role in society but also particularly where there might be um, conceptions of a conflict between science and religion or a compatibility between science and religion really the reason for us undertaking this work is when i first started um, working in this field which is actually when I started running the Darwin Now project, I realised that there was very little information on what publics think about evolution outside of the US um, and Europe. And when you're running science communication projects globally and you don't really understand how different audiences might think about things, that's obviously a bit of a problem. So when I was designing the Darwin Now project, I realised there was a gap in the data, quite a significant gap. It also led me to realise that a lot of the data is collected in the US and the assumptions about US-based creationism are then sort of exported onto a global narrative and a global picture. But we have absolutely no social science data really, or we didn't at the time, to, to support this position. So I became really interested in how we were sort of framing the issues around evolution in society around a very US-centric perspective in terms of how we think about clashes between creationists and those who seek to promote evolutionary science. So we wanted to sort of unpick that. We realised that this would be quite complicated and quite a big, uh, a big aim ultimately, and we wanted to make sure we got it right. So we've always worked in a very multidisciplinary way. Um, I'm very fortunate to work with an excellent team. Obviously, some of you here on this podcast now, um, and uh, we encompass a number of uh, disciplinary perspectives. So we work with sociologists of religion, sociologists of science, people who study media, um, history, both um, 19th century history and recent history, people who study social and experimental psychology. And then um, we also undertake uh, survey based research that's nationally representative. And I sort of work across all of that. Um, in terms of kind of tying all of that together so that we can sort of triangulate across those different methodologies to really give a slightly more comprehensive picture of what the drivers might be of why people might think about evolution in a certain way why people might see it as being in conflict with their personal beliefs why they might see it as being in conflict with other people's personal beliefs and how they think about the relationship between science and religion and society on a larger scale so we started off doing our research in uk and canada and that was the first phase of research and now we're working on the second phase of research which is undertaking work with excellent teams who are based in Argentina, Australia, Germany, Sri Lanka, Spain, Canada, the US and obviously our team based in the UK at the University of Birmingham but also at the University of Kent. So Fern you're the project director and founder of the International Research Network for the Study of Science and Belief in Society. 
so can you tell us a little bit about the, uh, the network? So kind of why was it set up? Uh, what are its aims and kind of what is it, I suppose? Yes, um, it's really a sort of labour of love of many years in terms of, as I mentioned when I was talking about the Science, Religion, Exploring the Spectrum project, I realised fairly early on that actually there wasn't much research that had been undertaken internationally um, looking at how people think about science and religion in society. And obviously this is a really important and very, very timely debate given that science and religion are and belief are two of the main ways in which we think about the world, the way that we frame the world, the way that we approach different issues that are impacting on the world today. So it's a fundamentally important area of research, but we can't really address those issues if we are only undertaking research that is based in one context. We really need to internationalise the research that's done. Um, the local contexts in which people are working are fundamentally important. One of the things that we found from the early research that we did for the Science, Religion and Exploring the Spectrum project was that debates work in very, very different way, even between the US, Canada and the UK. Um, so even within some within Anglophone contexts that are relatively culturally similar on some levels, you've got fundamentally different ways that people might think about science and belief in society, but also specific hot topic issues like evolutionary science and human evolution. So with that in mind, I was really keen to see if there was a way that we could help to enable people to work in this field more, to grow capacity um, in our field, because it is a fundamentally important area of research. It is something that we need to have more international voices in. It is something that we need different perspectives on. We can't really kind of tackle the different issues that are facing us. And as, as we're all currently recording this, sitting in separate houses, obviously one of the big issues that we're dealing with at the moment is the COVID-19 pandemic. These kind of things really do directly relate to the kind of work we're doing in terms of looking at science and belief in society. Um, a lot of the work that previously been done in the field of science and religion has focused on a more philosophical or theological um, set of kind of questions and uh, methodologies. And that's fundamentally interesting and important work too. But there's a real gap in terms of people who are looking at this from a social perspective, using kind of social humanities or social sciences um, approaches and methodologies. So that's the sort of thinking behind it. The ethos behind it is that I, I fundamentally believe that it's important to be having conversations with people who come from different contexts, having conversations across different cultural or disciplinary um, kind of approaches or perspectives. It's an important part of being a good researcher is being able to open up your mind and your eyes to other people's perspectives and basically approach your work with humility. So that is part of what the network is about too. And a big part of it as well, um, which obviously I'm quite passionate about, and I know that the people who are recording this podcast will know this already, is that I think it's really important for us to support the next generation of researchers in this field. It's really important to support PhD students who are just starting out, early career researchers who are just starting out on their first steps in their career. It's really important also to recognise that there's sort of pivotal moments in people's kind of mid-career journey or people who are perhaps moving from one focus in their research towards looking more at science and belief in society. How can we create spaces and opportunities and places for those people to collaborate 
um, in a better way. And that's really the thinking behind the network. So ultimately, I'm very privileged to be the, the project director on the project. I, 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 I take that privilege seriously, but it is not my network. It is all the researchers within the network's network. Fantastic. And hopefully we'll be talking to quite a few of them um, over the next few months on the podcast as well and hearing some of those perspectives from various geographies and, and various disciplines. I'm really, really looking forward to. Um, in terms of the future of the study of science and belief, kind of talked a little bit about there have been these mainstay topics. There's been kind of topics like evolution, which kind of perhaps kind of founded this area slightly. But in terms of the future of, of the study of science and belief, what kind of excites you? Oh, well, I'm, I'm sort of, I get excited about a lot of research ideas. So <laughs> I could talk about this for many hours, but probably that would be unfair on all of you. Um, I think the things that I think are, are interesting and important, and, and this is something we have a lot of conversations about at the conferences and events and activities that we run as part of our, our, our network, is there's, there's no facet, I think, of human society that doesn't intersect with the work that we look at, really. Um, as I said, there's two fundamental frames that are the preeminent cultural flame frames that people tend to use globally. And one is kind of science as a, a facet of culture and the other is kind of religious or belief systems as, as part of uh, culture and society as well. There's, there's not many things that don't sit within that, that kind of um, kind of intersection societally. Um, obviously, as you say, evolutionary science has featured quite heavily within that and as someone who's done a lot of work on evolutionary science it's something I still think is important but it's not the only issue at play. So obviously a lot of our work has focused on things like human evolution, um, evolution more broadly but there are broader broader issues that we need to look at. There's all sorts of things we need to think about in terms of you know again thinking about the current situation how we think about kind of health and well-being in society how we think about new technologies new ways of working or interacting with each other all of these things really actually do directly relate to the work we're doing within the field and i think that's that's one of the things that's really important when we talk about kind of intersections between science and belief in society often we're working with people who are working either from a kind of science Kind of communication science studies perspective or people who are working in a sort of religious studies um sociology of religion perspective psychology of religion it's really bringing those voices together where you can see those really quite fundamentally and tangible impacts on the way that we think and see and live in the world so um i think for me i wouldn't want to narrow it to any specific areas it's really about thinking about how those kind of social and cultural narratives different social identities and lived experiences, different kind of identities and kind of different aspects of how kind of different institutions or power structures or um, geographies might impact on the way that we think about science and belief in society that's important. And for me, fundamentally, I know that in our wonderful network, it's got many, many very exciting people involved in it. There are questions I couldn't even conceive of now that that network will approach, that the researchers that we are working with now will be addressing in 5, 10, 15, 20 years time. I wouldn't want to sort of say where I think they're going to go. I think the best thing about research is that it wouldn't be research if we knew all the questions now. <laughs> Thanks then. Um, and just listening to you then talk about the, the, 
the network and uh, the different areas um, that uh, you research and the network explores. Um, you talked about religion and non-religion um, and spirituality and the network itself investigates science and belief rather than science and religion and I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about how that choice was made and, and why you chose to, um, if you like, put belief in the centre of that. Okay, so that's that's a very interesting question. It's an important question as well, so I'm glad you asked that. Um, in terms of thinking about debates around science and religion, it's often the field is framed in the term science and religion, two big iconic kind of words that, that have multiple meanings, but also multiple implications. When we're thinking globally, religion, in terms of the way that we define, narrate, construct, the notion and concept of religion is situated geographically and politically and historically. Um, we wanted to broaden out the scope and the frames of reference that people are using when they're thinking about this. If we're thinking about religion, people tend to think of the big Abrahamic faiths. They don't tend to think of other ways of thinking or knowing about the world. They don't tend to include other types of belief systems. Um, so there's an argument really to when we're thinking globally we need to have a term that can capture different systems of thought and different systems of belief that doesn't mean we're not interested in you know Abrahamic faith or what th things that people might ordinarily conceive to be religions or religious identities it just means we want to be as inclusive as possible in our research that's really interesting, Fern, as well. And you were talking again a bit before about, you know, the kind of scope of the people who are working on the, the teams that you're working in. And I think I'd just be interested, I mean, how important is that kind of interdisciplinary approach in the network as a whole? I mean, is that something that's kind of really important for, for what the work of the network is? I think it's fundamentally important. I think there is a very, very important piece of work that needs to be done in terms of single, single disciplinary approaches. That's not to say that single disciplinary specialisms are unimportant in answering some of the questions that we need to address, but I think it's only through that sort of wealth of perspectives, those cross-disciplinary conversations, those cross-cultural conversations, that we can really tackle and answer some of the really big questions that will affect us in the 21st century. So that's, that's really interesting, Fern. Uh, and you talk there a lot about this being kind of everyone's network and, you know, really wanting the kind of engagement of, um, of all the kind of researchers involved. So I'm just wondering, are there opportunities uh, for, you know, the researchers, you know, many of them hopefully will be listening to this from within the network, but also from beyond to engage with, you know, each other and with the network, either through kind of events or maybe funding opportunities. Is there anything like that uh, happening at the moment? Yes, well, there are, and there's plenty of opportunities for people to engage. And before I say what we're running at the moment, I'm always interested in hearing about other ways in which we can do things um, to support or grow the research network in any way. So if people have ideas, please feel free to send them to us. Um, there's different ways that you can engage. Obviously, you can join the network or engage with the network through our website, um, which you're presumably aware of if you're listening to this podcast already. Um, the other ways um, you can engage, we will be when global pandemic allowing. Um, uh, we will be looking at running uh, conferences, PhD summer schools, um, early career researcher workshops. So keep your eyes peeled for news of those as they as they are announced. And we are also running some grant schemes. We have one that is 
open at the moment in we're currently speaking in uh july 2020 so um but do keep an eye on our website uh because there'll be others rolling out over the next few years um and these uh, schemes are really designed to do three things. One is to support people to just have a small pot of money, that bit of money that you need maybe to just sort of get some data together, to do some pilot research, to put in a larger grant to other organisations, um, or to get that bit of money just to help you finish off some piece of work maybe as you're transitioning from PhD to postdoc or kind of moving through your postdoc experience. Um, so we're interested in funding sort of seed or small research um, projects. We've also got funds that will enable people to really grow their international collaborative relationships. So opportunities for people to undertake research exchange, obviously, uh, when we're not in the middle of a global pandemic. <laughs> um, so um, those schemes will be running um, in the future, we hope. <laughs> um, and that will really be an opportunity to either go and spend some time with a, an established researcher or group in the field or to bring people um, to visit you at your home institution. Um, so that, that um, opportunity will hopefully lead to long-term uh, research collaborations and partnerships that could last for many, many years. Um, the other um, grants that we're interested in funding are regional network uh, development grants. So obviously it's really good to think about things internationally, but it's also really useful to have sort of networks on the ground at a regional level. It means that we can um, support people to run events that aren't always in English, um, that might be in different languages or be bi bilingual, um, and really an opportunity for people to sort of grow their networks in their own country or in the broader region in which they're living and working. So hopefully those schemes between them will allow people to really sort of establish themselves and um, start out in the field or sort of grow their career and their career potential within the area as well. So, Of course, none of this would be possible without the generous support of our funders, the Templeton Religion Trust. Um, like us, they share um, the feeling that this is a really important and fundamental field um, in kind of understanding how people think about science and belief in society um, and have been very generous in their support, not only for us, but with others in terms of growing capacity in this field. Oh, that's that's great. So there's a whole a whole host of opportunities there, really. So it'd be yeah, so it'd be great for a, a whole host of people if they could get in, involved in any way they can. Uh, and just to say, uh, as Fer mentioned, there there will be information alongside this podcast on the website that you can follow up. So check that out. Okay, Fern. Well, thank you so much for that. Um, and while you're on air, can we get you to agree a verbal contract to come back on and talk about the finer details of public perceptions of evolution in the future? Uh as you well know, trying to stop me from talking about perceptions of evolution and human evolution is more of an issue than trying to get me to talk about it. Perfect. That's a verbal contract. We'll get you back on. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Fern, for joining us today. It was great to hear more about your research background and how that's uh, developed in, into this network, exploring science and belief in society. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you, Fern. Thanks, Fern. Thanks a lot. And thank you to the listeners. In future episodes, we will be talking to a range of academics about their work on science and belief. We'll be exploring the histories of science and religion and the birth of a clash narrative between them, the relationship between science and secularity, psychological studies of stereotypes and identities, sociological studies of science and non-religion, and exploring the varied interrelations between science and belief, not just in the UK and the US, but around the world. 
For more information about the International Research Network for the Study of Science and Belief in Society, head to the website scienceandbeliefinsociety.org. See you next time, and thanks for listening. Thank you.